Welcome to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco. And I'm Rachel Popchek, and we're here to share with you the mental skills you need to help improve your performance and get your head back in the game. We will offer practical applications and diverse perspectives to help you apply these mental skills to your life. Welcome to today's episode of Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco. And I'm Rachel Popchek. In today's episode, we'll be talking about intangibles. So this is a a cool topic. Um, You know, you hear a lot about that in in sports and whether you're talking about teams or individuals and what those little things are that that make athletes and teams successful. So we'll, we'll jump into that. Uh, but for our quote for today from Derek Jeter, I love this quote. There may be people that have more talent than you, but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you do. So, you know, one of the things that we're constantly talking about is, you know, the talent doesn't always win, whether that's, again, an individual sport or the more talented team. I mean, you can go through even currently every week in sports, right? Where, you know, the, uh, the better team, the more talented team doesn't always win out. And, you know, oftentimes the reason for that are the intangibles, right? And, you know, the other team just more focused or working harder. So, you know, I think this is such a, such a good quote and something that you see again on a, day-to-day basis in sports for sure and I think that you know it's skill can only take us so far right and and it's one of those things where when we rely on our skill it often makes us maybe become a little bit lazy sometimes because we're just relying on that as opposed to really being committed to what we do but you know are we working hard are we going out of our comfort zone are we really being consistent that's what makes that difference. It doesn't matter. Sure, natural talent can be helpful, but it's not necessarily the be all and end all of everything. If like you said, that talent isn't working hard. Right. And I like like that point there, the kind of complacency, right? I, I think, you know, that that is often the reason why those more successful athletes or, or more talented athletes, more talented teams don't, you know, come out on top because you know, they, they become overconfident, they become complacent, they, they feel like they have the, you know, more talent, and, and just because of that, that that'll win out, and, you know, that's when, when things don't work out well, uh, you know, for those individuals and teams. So let's jump in, we got our three tips on, on intangibles, and kind of the things that, you know, we identified as, you know, three of the, the more important intangibles an athlete or a team can have. And the first one is leadership. And I think there's so many things that go along with, with leadership, uh, you know, types of leaders, right? So again, you, you can have obviously the real vocal 
type of leader, uh, you know, which is, can be real, real helpful. You know, that person that's going to kind of tell it like it is and, and, you know, confront people when they have to and, and really be a, a positive voice in the locker room. You have, you know, and you have some of the, the leadership that maybe is, is more, uh, you know, kind of role modeling and, and lead by example type of leader. So, you know, maybe they're not as vocal, but again, they show all these little intangibles they, that, that their other teammates really look up to and know that they're going to be there day in and day out and they can trust them. Uh, so, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, no, I think that, you know, that, that leading by example kind of talks about a lot, you know, what we're talking about in this quote, right? Like, you know, we, we can lead vocally and have talent, right? But mm -hmm. we can lead by example, by really, you know, that, that work ethic, right? And I mean, that certainly kind of leads us to our second point of work ethic, um, being kind of one of those, those intangibles that, really kind of set us up for success, right? Where one of my favorite quotes is, is you won't always feel motivated, so be disciplined, right? And it's just that sense of, you know, sure, we maybe burnout happens, or um, maybe we're just really not committed, or we kind of lost that sense of our why that we've talked about, you know, before. But, you know, that work ethic is, are we going to be consistent? Are we going to be disciplined? Are we set, you know, kind of, sticking with the routine that we've set up um, to help us be successful even when maybe we're not feeling it that day. Uh, so that work ethic is a great way to set ourselves up for success, but going back to kind of what you were saying is just that it's, it's that great step to be that, you know, leader by example. We don't always have to be extroverted to be a leader. You know, we right. can be more introverted and that's fine, but, but having our work ethic really help us to lead by example is a great way to get ourselves to success, but also even help others along that path as well. Right, and in you know, other episodes, we kind of touched on, on this topic, but you know, the work ethic, I think, is one of those things that you have control over, right? I mean, Absolutely. You, know, you can, you either work hard or you, or you don't. There's, there's not, you know, outside things necessarily, uh, you know, that, are going to affect that. That's just an internal um, kind of drive and a commitment that you, you spoke about to compete hard, uh, no matter, you know, what's going on and, and both in practice and both, you know, in games that, that you're, you're not kind of taking, taking days off and, and, you know, one day you're in there and, and working hard and the next day kind of not, not so much. So, that consistent effort, taking control of, of things you have control over. So our third tip uh, is self-confidence. And I think, you know, this again is kind of speaks for itself as to, to why this is an important tangible. Um, having that ability, you know, to believe in yourself and to be confident and to go out there, you know, especially when faced with adversity or in high pressure situations, believing that, you know, you can get the job done and, you know, the, the top level athletes, the, the ones that you're constantly seeing come out on top when championships, um, you know, when MVPs do all those things, I mean, are, 
obviously have that that confidence in themselves that you know their their talent their mental preparation is gonna win out you know and they they have done it and have put themselves in enough situations where and prepared themselves enough that you know they they believe in themselves and and know the end result is going to be you know the end game is going to be where they they want it right and that self-confidence isn't always just about you know going in and believing that we can do it and we can win no matter what right it's it's that belief in kind of what you were referring to in terms of what we can control it's it's that belief that we can use you know that helpful self-talk to get us to that place where you know we'll, we'll we can work through those adversities right and and it's that self-confidence of what we are capable of of reminding ourselves of our skills and you know yes our talents as well but also what we do with those talents that you know work ethic and how and how we really commit ourselves right so i just think you know that self-confidence is not sort of this thing that we have to have no matter what's going on, right? It was just, you know, everything's going to be great. It's not kind of this fake optimism or positivity. It's this self-confidence. It's the, this belief in what I'm capable of. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So to review quick, our, our tips, uh, our, the intangibles, what, you know, we've identified as three of the most important intangibles an athlete, a team can have. Number one, leadership. And again, that's different types of leaders. So the vocal leader, the leader that leads by examples, I think it's important to know how to lead, right? And know what your teammates need, right? And know each kind of individual te teammate, you know, are they somebody that responds well to <clears throat> more of that confrontation and, and kind of, you know, really kind of getting on the person or are they someone that needs more support or, you know and and I think that's such an important factor and great leaders know that they know how to communicate um, differently you know to to each of their teammates number two work ethic so just having that commitment that drive and consistent work ethic again something that you have complete control over and can bring day in and, and day out and then number three is our self-confidence. So the ability to believe in yourself, trust yourself, trust your skills, trust your mental game that, you know, as long as you're preparing yourself, putting in the work that the end result is, is going to be there. So we will be right back with Kenny Rausch, the director of USA Hockey who will talk a little bit more about the topic of intangibles. Welcome back to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. We are excited to be joined by Kenny Rausch. Um, Kenny is the director of youth hockey at USA Hockey. Uh, at USA Hockey, Kenny oversees USA Hockey's youth hockey department and programs, 
the youth and high school national championships and all boys national player development camps. He is the GM of the U.S. Under-17 team that competes in the Under-17 Five Nations tournament and also assists in coordinating the Under-18 select team. Prior to joining USA Hockey on a full-time basis, Kenny coached at numerous USA Hockey Boys Select Player Development Camps and was an assistant coach for the U.S. Under-18 Select Team at the 2004 and 2005 Junior World Cups. In 2008 to 2009 season, uh, Kenny was co assistant coach at Babson College, helping lead the Beavers to the 2009 ECAC East Championship. He previously served as an assistant coach and recruiting coordinator at the University of Massachusetts Lowell. Uh, prior to coaching at, at University of Massachusetts Lowell, he spent three years at Niagara University where he was part of the first CHA championship team that went undefeated in league play and knocked off the University of New Hampshire in the 2000 NCAA ice hockey tournament. His first year of coaching was in 1996-97 season as an assistant coach for Boston University. He helped the Terriers to the Beanpot and Hockey East titles that year. As a player, Kenny was a four-time member of Boston University's men's ice hockey team from 1991 to 1995. He was part of the 1995 team that won the NCAA Division I National Championship, the Hockey East regular season title, and the Hockey East tournament, as well as the Beanpot, where he was named Beanpot Most Valuable Player. Kenny was a fourth year member of the Hockey East All-Academic Team and was a Hockey East Distinguished Scholar Award winner. Kenny, thanks for joining us today. No, my pleasure, Rob. It's good to see you. You, you as well. So in this podcast, we, we focus a lot on kind of the mental side of sports, um, both at, you know, the youth level, college level, um, and in other, other areas as well. So kind of one of the first things I think I want to want to talk to you about is, you know, your your background in scouting and, you know, what are some of the things that you kind of saw in, in scouting players or, or things that you would look for when scouting a player as far as their overall mental makeup? Yeah, it's a great question because it's, it's an often overlooked part of the game when you think about scouting. When you think about scouting, you know, most people tend to drift towards, you know, how do they skate? How do they handle the puck? What's their hockey IQ? You know, the, the physical attributes. And there's a ton, ton of mental attributes that go into that. You know, you try to find out is, is the kid, you know, it used to just be boiled down to, is he a good character kid? Is he a good kid? But there's so much more to just saying the kid has good character, right? Is, is he a positive kid? Is he, uh, is he an upbeat, make players around him happier? Is he, you know, positive, negative? Is he resilient? Is he confident? Um, you know, can he make decisions on his own? All those other attributes that people don't really think about that, you know, kind of make or break a player, right? Because when you get to certain levels, everyone's talented, right? At the college level, everyone has a certain amount of talent. And usually what sets them apart to get from level to level are the mental habits and physical habits 
And, and it all starts with the mental side of it, right? Because the physical habits are driven by your mental state. Do you have the willingness to put in the off-ice work? Do you have the resiliency to take a setback and come back from it? Or are you just going to give up? So uh, th- those are huge pieces of, of scouting that, that are certainly overlooked. I love that you say that um, because that's when we talk with athletes, when we meet with teams, that comment you just made there of, you know, as you, especially as you get up in, in the higher levels, right? The talent starts to kind of balance out, right? And, and as you said, the things that separate one athlete from the other, um, it, it oftentimes has to do with kind of that, you know, mental approach you know, and um, just how important that, that is. So what, what would be, you know, like you said, uh, you're scouting somebody you could see watching a game, you can kind of see the physical stuff, right, that they're doing or not doing. Um, you know, how do you get a sense for kind of the, the mental side with, with athletes? It's funny, and it, it, you know, you, you're constantly learning as you go along and, you know, it probably took me 10 years into scouting and recruiting and talking to kids to find out my, my best question to ask a hockey player in the recruiting process. And, and I wish I had learned it much earlier. And it's as simple as this. I would ask kids, do you like hockey? Mm-hmm. Right? If a kid tells me, yeah, yeah, I like hockey. You know, that's kind of a, even though he says he likes hockey, that's a red flag for me. Because the best answer I ever got, and it was a kid that uh, we, we, we ended up landing, and I went back right away and said, this kid's going to be a captain and probably a two-year captain. And I was incorrect. He was a three-year captain. He looked right at me and, Coach, I don't like hockey. I effing love hockey. Right? <laughs> so so that, that answer right there and that mental side of it, right? So it had nothing to do with the physical play, like, but I knew right away, I want this kid on my team, right? Because you know he was driven, you know he loved the game, and you knew he was gonna do anything he could do to get better at the game. I love that answer. And you're talking about, um, you know, being driven, you were kind of talking about all of the different sort of mental aspects of kind of the resiliency. And, you know, so, so I'm just kind of curious, what do you sort of believe are, are the most important mental skills that, that an athlete can really develop? Um, well, confidence for sure, right? Because if you don't have confidence in yourself, it's just, you're never going to go anywhere because you're just going to be like a beaten dog, right? You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. So you have to have that self-confidence and, and it's such a fine line of what is confidence and how you get it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's that player that teaches himself or herself that, Hey, I, I am a good player. I'm going to have setbacks. It's not going to be perfect all the time, but how do I solve the problem? So, so confidence for me is number one. And uh, with that comes the problem solving part and, and the resiliency because it's, it's hard. And people don't realize how hard it is to get from level to level. They see just, you know, you see X amount of kids getting scholarships. You see kids getting drafted. You see kids signing NHL contracts. And while it seems like a lot of players, it's not, right? We know, it, you know it's, a, it's a, such a tiny, tiny amount of players that make it to the highest levels. You know, you know 360,000 youth hockey players in the United States and, you know, 0.1% of them make it to the NHL. Right? Even look at the NHL level. You know, I, I 
do some presentations on long-term athlete development and development myths and, you know, what it really takes to develop. And, and one of the things I point out, when you look at the makeup of the, of the National Hockey League, 31% of the league is made up of first-round draft picks. The next highest percent of players that make up the league are undrafted free agents. So you think about that. First-round draft picks, the highest percentage of players in the National Hockey League. Undrafted free agents, second. And then it goes down, right? Second-rounders, third-rounders, fourth-rounders, fifth-rounders. But we make more mistakes at 18 than we do figure out what a kid is at 24, right? So, so it's that resiliency and the stick-to-itiveness, I guess, is, would be the, those three things. Because, you know, if I don't make it at 18, doesn't mean your career is over. Right. Well, and, and I think you're so right about kind of confidence and resilience being sort of those, those kind of primary, maybe kind of root skills, if you will. Um, what, what are sort of your maybe favorite techniques or go-to techniques, whether it's in your life or in, in kind of those that, that you've maybe sort of mentored is, you know, in, in kind of developing that confidence and that resilience? Yeah, it's funny, you know, things, things have changed so much in sports and society over the amount of years. And, you know, the one thing I felt when, when Rob's going through my bio there is, geez, I'm getting old, right? But, <laughs> you know, I hate to, you know, you hate to hear this when I played, but, you know, when I played, none of this existed, right? I think my senior year in college was the first time we had thought of and heard of the term uh, sports psychologist. And, you know, kind of like, you know, what's this? Never had it before in my life. Kind of, you know, sloughed it off a little bit. Like, yeah, it's big, no big deal. Like, but now as we move forward, you look back and how critical some of these people play in, in athletes' lives and, and, you know, dealing with so many other issues, you know, depression, anger, you know, whatever it may be that help people get over, you know, you, I just saw another note this morning about Bobby Ryan and, and some of the things he's gone through. So like to have those people by your side and to have someone to talk to and, and do those types of things. And uh, a good friend of mine's daughter is, is into this business now. And, and one of her things is called a smart goals, right? And, and S-M-A-R-T all stand for different things, but, but it, it's all those types of things where, where kids can put things on paper now, right. About the mental side of the game and not just, be told that, you know, handle that yourself, right? And, and talk to people about it. So I think that's a huge, huge piece. Absolutely. So I have a, a, another question, but I, I want you just to say again, because I think it's so important, um, you know, that statistic you, you gave of like, you know, all the athletes out there, all the hockey players out there and, and the percentage that do kind of, make it right. Um, whether we're talking just, you know, professionally or e even just, you know, at a division one college level and how, you know, it, it, it's it difficult and, and, you know, um, a lot of work goes into that. Yeah. And, and, you know, you think about it when you start off as a little kid playing hockey and all the kids you played with, you know, I, I, it, it actually amazes me sometimes to think of, you know, the number of players that I played with growing up that actually did make it to division one and maybe made it to pro. But the reality is, while it seems like a lot, it's really not, you know, I tend to think, Oh, I played with a lot of guys. And like, well, actually there was one, two, three, you know, maybe 10, like over the course of right. you know, 15 years of playing youth hockey. And, 
you know, to, to keep advancing from level to level is really, really difficult. And especially in today's climate where you have, uh, you know, almost the professionalization of youth sports, you know, to, to make it from 15 only to 16 to 18 to junior to college, it's, it's really, really tough. Yeah. So I'm going to talk in a minute about kind of coaching part of things, but um, sticking with that a second, you know, and do you have any suggestions, tips, thoughts on that part of it, what you just said of how, you know, I've noticed this with even just my kids and stuff compared to when I, I was playing, of just how, you know, sports, specialization in sports at such an early age now, um, you know, there are so many different resources and things available. So, um, you know, often finding kind of, you know, parents pushing kids at, at an yeah. earlier and earlier and earlier age. Um, and I just go back to something you said at the beginning of this talk of, of you know, of the gentleman that you were recruiting and how he said he, you know, loved hockey. Like, you know, I think what we start to do and, and why kids, you start seeing them drop out at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, because that's not happening anymore. They're not having fun. They're not enjoying playing a sport anymore because of a lot of the outside voices and things that are going on. Yeah. And the fun factor is such a huge, and this is a huge, huge piece, right? Like uh, one of the things I learned a couple of years ago, and I can't remember who it was, but Bob Mancini hammered it home with me is, is fun is the key that unlocks learning in anything you do, right? If you're not having fun, playing a sport, you're not going to get better at it. If you're not having fun, and maybe it's not necessarily fun, but if you don't enjoy it, like if you don't enjoy school, you're not going to be a good student. If the teacher doesn't keep it enjoyable, you're going to be bored or drift off or whatever it is. And you're just going to go through the motions and get through it. So fun is huge. And it really uh, concerns me sometimes that parents and coaches of youth athletes, any sport, dismiss the fun factor and say, you know, you got to be serious about this, right? You know, this is a serious game, right? I, I think you remember, Rob, I'm, I'm also a big baseball fan and played baseball in college, right? Watching the World Series, right? In the middle of the game, they interview Blake Snell. And one of the things he says, this is just so much fun. In the middle of the World Series, on the, in the dugout talking about that, and that was the same game that uh, Phillips had the, that crazy walk-off single with the Rose Arena ended up getting caught in that almost pickle and then scoring the goal. You got a grown man doing airplanes in the outfield, right? I've seen coaches yell at kids for doing that on the ice. You know, you can't celebrate like that. You got to be serious, right? And they interview him two seconds later and he's like, man, this is just baseball is a fun game, right. right? I don't know what took over me, but here I am doing airplanes in the outfield, right? So it, it's unbelievable that we try to beat the fun out of kids. Right? And, you know, even in hockey practices, sometimes you'll hear coaches say, you know, we, we drill the crap out of them for the first 50 minutes and then we let them play a game for the last five minutes to keep it fun. Like, well, shouldn't all 60 minutes be fun, right? right. And it needs to be fun, right? So if it's not fun, why do it? And, you know, the whole thing with the burnout piece and the early specialization is just crazy because we need to like reset, hit the reset button because it's, it's okay to have the dream but it's the chasing of the dream that kills it, right? We all want to have the dream of playing at the highest level, but when you when I say chase it, it's 
oh, I got to make this team because I need to be yeah. on the best team. Well, no, no, you don't. You need to play at the level you need to play at until it becomes important. And it's really not an important until 18, 19, 20, maybe even 20, 22 years old, right? Mm-hmm. We had Chris Kunitz on one of our recent coaching clinics. And I talked to him about, you know, I was given a presentation on long-term athlete development and here's he's in the class, right? And I know his story pretty well, right? He goes to Ferris State at 21 years old, stays for three years, signs a contract at 24. Like he says, I wasn't an NHL regular till I was 26 years old. Mm-hmm. And I kind of baited with the question, well, why didn't you go to college at 18? Well, no one was recruiting me. And at 18, I was just an okay player, right? But then I grew grew a couple of inches or whatever it may be and put on some pounds and went to Ferris State. Ferris State's a good good, good college hockey program. It's not the best or wasn't the best at the time. We weren't winning national championships. But he got to play a time, right? Whereas I at Boston University, I played with a a lot of unbelievably good players and certainly happy with my time there. And I was a, a walk-on, so happy I even got there, but I didn't play a lot. And I was an 18-year-old freshman, and I graduated just turning 22, right? He was starting college at 22, right? So, and it wasn't like I was chasing a dream. It's just how it was back then. I went from high school to college because that's what I thought you did, right? USHL, you know, junior hockey wasn't big back then. And, you know, today it certainly might have been very different, but there's nothing wrong with taking a slow path of, of – doing what you need to do because no one's path is the same, right? You don't have to be on the tier one AAA path from 10 all the way up, right? right? Play where, play where you're at, keep getting good, dominate where you're at, score a lot of goals and go forward, Mm -hmm. right? Because we see all these people who want to jump to the next level because they think it's prestigious. Whereas instead of staying at the level where you are, right? I don't know about you, Rob, growing up, but I would have rather scored 40 goals as a 14 U hockey player on an okay team then score two goals on a super team, right? Because you don't go from scoring two to 40 the next year. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, it's a great message. I think for a lot of people out there, um, you know, I agree a hundred percent with, with all of that. So, so what does the, uh, what's the role of the coach kind of, you hit on some of that already with, you know, kind of promoting fun and encouraging that, um, you know, but how the coach can really help, help a player's mental game and, and also, um, you know, lead them in the, the right direction. Yeah. And to me, it also, it, it all starts with the coach and the coach's attitude, right? If the coach is a negative person, you know, negative attitude, yelling at the refs, yelling at the players, it's toxic environment very few players get better in a toxic environment and the ones who do get through those toxic environments we call survivors right you could take let's just you know a fictional 16u triple a tier one team that has a bunch of talented kids but a toxic environment yeah one might play in the nhl right he survived the system because he could whereas if it was a different environment a positive a growing a nurturer a player-centered environment versus a coach-centered environment right now we care about every player and making every player better not about coach making himself or herself feel better right so we have to create player-centered environments for development physically and mentally And, and part of that is getting to know your athletes as individuals and not just pieces of your team. You know, Rob, what makes you tick could be very different than what makes Rachel tick. Rob, you might like that, you know, stern encouragement. Rachel might need, you know, more, 
more hugs or pats on the back. You might need a kick in the butt a little bit more. And, and it's not to say that it's not okay to deliver either of those sometimes, but it can't be the same thing 100% of the time, right? It's got to be that good balance of learning what makes your players tick, especially mentally, right? You come to the rink and I can tell something's wrong. All right, Rob, what's going on today? All right, you're not yourself. What's going on? And it's nothing to do with the physical piece because you can still skate, you can still shoot, you can still stick handle. Something is affecting you today that I need to know. How do I make it better? Right. So that that's a huge piece for youth coaches. Yeah. Well, I will say you said that, and I'll tell you a quick story. So um, something I remember, I'll always remember is we, we. I think it was Merrimack. We we were playing there. I remember the bus, I was so sick. Um, and uh, the bus trip there was miserable and just not feeling well. And I remember I hadn't really said anything about it. And I remember you coming up before a game and doing just that kind of checking in and saying, Hey, you know, what's up and you know, what's going on and kind of had a, a quick little talk. And I always remember um, that being something, you know, that was a real positive thing. Um, you know, uh, one of the coaches kind of, again, knowing the person and knowing, you know, something was, they were dealing with something or something was going on. So um, I think that is, you know, such a, a big component and important for, for coaches to be involved with their players. And like you said, know them on an um, individual level. Yeah. And, I, and it's, it's something I wish I, I knew even at a greater, in, in greater depth a long, long time ago. I, like now I'm coaching high school players now and you know you don't get to check with every player over the course of a practice but you, you know try to get as many as possible hey how's school going you know how's this going and one of the things that I, like I, t- I think I told you before we got on this call I've, I've learned so much more about development both mentally and physically in children and moving forward and, and it's funny like we don't think of a 16U AAA player as a child or an 18U AAA player as a child they're children Right? We're not fully formed adults until we're 22, 26 years old. 18-year-olds are still children, right? Can't, can't vote, can't do this, can't do that, right, for a reason. And, and it's some of the things they go through. And I wish, again, like I said, I knew it more, and it really hit home with me. But could go back to the point of learning more about coaching and development where I care less about winning and more about development and about the individuals than I do about team success because it doesn't really matter to me. Do do I like my team to be successful? Absolutely. Right. Do I feel bad for the kid when we're not successful? Sure. Right. But I put my head on the pillow every night knowing that I do everything I do is a player centered environment. And it really hit home for me uh, probably about five or six, maybe seven years ago when I was coaching uh, 14 U players and one of our goalies was really struggling in a game and play everyone equally. So the goalies rotated every game, whatever. And, and this one poor kid just couldn't stop a thing this game where the first three shots and I like call him like, what is going on? Find out mom and dad had just gone through a divorce and it was the first game where dad showed up to the game with his new girlfriend. Right. So the kid was an emotional wreck. Right. So, talk to him. Hey, don't worry. I tried to walk to walk him through it, give him some things to talk about or think about or get his mind off the situation. And it's just like, Whoa, there's a lot more going on here than just playing hockey sometimes. So the mental piece is huge. Well, this is awesome. I, I, you know, 
so, so much, uh, so much great information. And I think hitting on, you know, a lot of the things that we makes us feel good. And a lot of things we talk about with athletes and teams, I think you, you hit on a lot of it and, and, um, you know, seem like you agree with, with a lot of it. So, um, you know, and, and as far as, again, kind of the youth sports stuff, I, I think that's all so valuable for, for parents to hear, um, you know, with, with their youth athlete and kind of, again, that enjoyment factor, how important that is. And like you said, the, when you're having fun, you're playing relaxed, that's when your skills and, and your talent's going to come out, right? When you're, you know, worried about 50 different things and, you know, being a professional at 10 years old, you know, we're going to play, play tense and um, anxious and, you know, not, not enjoy what we're doing. So. Yeah. It, it's funny. It's a, I got the, uh, the masters on my other screen here and mm -hmm. you hear other sports talk about, you know, squeezing the stick too hard or, or you know, gripping the bat too hard or, you know, pitcher overthrowing cause he's, he's tensed up or, you know, golfers, you know, gripping the clubs too hard or, or the yips or whatever it may be. So it, it, it's a, it's a hugely overlooked piece by, by parents and, and, and coaches that we, we need to remember again, right. They're humans, right. They're going to go through a lot of different things. Right. Well, thanks for coming on, Jenny, and giving uh, some time here. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a great to catch. Always great to catch up with former players, and I appreciate you having me on, Rob and uh, Rachel. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to speak with you. All right, thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. Please make sure to join us next time as we continue to discuss the mental skills you need to get your mind back in the game and perform at your best.